This is your girl Shakina and I'm with my girl Shar and we are the Black Woman Reborn. This is a podcast where we have raw, honest, captivating, and informative conversations about issues that affect Black women in their personal and professional lives. Welcome to the tribe. Hey tribe, welcome back to Black Woman Reborn. On the last episode, we talked with Jasmine Young, who told her story about being incarcerated as a Black female and just her whole experience. It was a very touching episode. So in talking, Shara and I just felt like we could not close this door and we wanted to dig deeper into incarceration within the Black community, how it affects Black women, whether you're incarcerated or you're the partner, mother, family member, wife of someone who has been incarcerated, how it has affected you, how it has affected our community. So today, I am so excited to introduce to you all Tamika Means. How are you today, Tamika? I'm doing good. Thank you, Shakina, for having me here. Thank you, Shara. I'm excited to talk about this topic. Yes, absolutely. We're excited to have you. Shara, are you doing good today, girl? I'm doing very good. And yes, I'm excited to kind of follow up from our last episode in which we did talk to Jasmine, in which we did decide to dig deeper. And there's so much depth we can go with when it comes to talking about mass incarceration and how it affects the women in our communities. I'm excited to get Tamika's point of view, who, in my opinion, is doing very, very groundbreaking work when it comes to families of incarcerated individuals. So again, thank you, Tamika, for joining us and and sitting in on the tribe to talk about the work that you do. Absolutely. So jumping in right off of shards, Tamika, go ahead and welcome to the tribe first, but also introduce yourself to the tribe. All right. So Tamika means I'm a mother. I have two little boys. And I actually have another little one on the way. House full of Congratulations. <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So as you have already stated, incarceration has impacted my own household. My husband just recently came home. He was incarcerated for about six and a half years. He came home on house arrest. And yeah, when he went in, I was five months pregnant with my second son. And I had already had a two-year-old. This was unexpected. So that is how my journey started with how incarceration started to impact my household. So (laughs) So you had a two-year-old and you were carrying during that time. Wow. Very stressful time. I am sure. I can only imagine. I'm not a mother, but just being a wife, period, and your spouse transitioning, you know, the separation of it all, but also being a mother. And then caring on top of that. That's a lot. But that's that whole thing of like us as Black women. Sometimes when things hit us, it just hits us hard and all at once. And that's so crazy. So tell us a little bit about the counseling work that you do working with families. And then we can get into you just digging deeper into your story. Oh, sure. Definitely. So because of the experience that I went through with my husband being incarcerated, it led me to want to help other women who had an incarcerated spouse. So I am what I call a prison wife coach. Now, if you've never heard that term before, that's because it doesn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) So I've kind of sort of just created a new lane for myself and for other women who've been impacted by incarceration. So as a prison wife coach, what I do is 
pretty much I support the women, the wives, the girlfriends who are, you know, who have partners who are currently incarcerated. And a lot of times what you'll find is that many of these women end up becoming depressed. They feel lost. You know, they're filled with anxiety. And, you know, it's almost as if you're going through grief, which what I later learned. And my goal is to help these women get to a place where they can stop focusing on the worry and anxiety and really get to a place where they are thriving in life. So they're happy and they're getting back to focusing on their goals so that when their man does come home, they didn't waste their time. They don't feel resentful and they don't feel like they should regret any decision that they've made. So my goal is to help get them to a place where they are thriving and they're happy and they can remain to be happy whenever that opportunity comes where their man is coming home. Oh, wow. Wow. So could you talk about like where this idea generated from? Because like I said, I've, I've personally never heard anything quite like this. Um, so targeted, so specific and so needed. So where did this idea come from? Yeah, so the idea of becoming a prison wife coach or creating a prison wife coach came from basically my pain as being a prison wife. When my husband left seven years ago, when he left unexpectedly, I kind of went into this black hole. You know, he left out one evening around four o'clock and I never saw him again until, and I honestly really thought that my husband was dead. My husband was always the type to call and just, you know, let me know what's happening. And when he didn't come home, my biggest fear was that he was dead in an alleyway somewhere here in Baltimore City. And I would never wish that on anybody. And that was the beginning of my downward spiral because normally I'm a happy person. I'm bubbly. I'm always smiling. That's just my natural, you know, personality. And this really took me to a place where I just would go to work, put my mask on. The mask is that, that fake smile that you put on, that you hide behind. I was afraid that people were going to talk to me and ask me, hey, how's your family doing? How's your husband? Because at any moment I would have broke down in tears and, you know, I was trying to hide the fact that I was actually dying inside. So I wasn't, I can't say I was a good mom because I wasn't fully present. You know, I was grieving and I was struggling with all that. I couldn't even take care of myself, let alone a newborn and a a three-year-old at that time. And I kind of had a realization one day. Well, basically what happened was I realized that I was negatively affecting my son because I remember looking at him one day, he looked so stressed. And when I looked at him, he looked like he had the world on his shoulders. And I was just like, what does a three-year-old have to be so stressed about? And for me, that was a game-changing moment. I was just like, oh my God, like, that's me. Like, I am the one causing him to feel this way because he is kind of absorbing or I don't know what word you want to use, but he's taking that energy from me that I'm putting out in the universe and he is putting on himself. That's exactly how I felt, the way he looked. And from that point on, my life changed because I rerouted myself and made a decision that I was going to focus on getting myself better. And that was the beginning of my transition. Give us just a little bit of what life was like for you all and your family dynamic prior to this unfortunate evening where he just didn't come back home. Overall, I would say it was a pretty good family dynamic. My husband owned his own business. And I just started a job as a personal trainer here in Baltimore. I had just left my secure, cushy job at University of Maryland as a researcher to really pursue doing the things that I wanted to do on my own. And, you know, I would say life wasn't perfect, but we were just a normal family. My husband did have a a little drinking problem, though, I would say that, So, which is part of the reason why it wasn't perfect. But 
I mean, overall, there was nothing like major or drastic, I would say, that would make us any different than any other family. My husband, though he does a, have a uh, criminal history, he wasn't living in that lifestyle. Like I said, he was running his own business, doing his own thing. So he was pretty much a family man. So, but yeah, so that's why I say when that day happened for me, it, it was unexpected because we weren't living the lifestyle that would, dic- that would, you know, make me think, oh no, he's going to end up back in prison. Right. And I think that was something else that we got and we talked about last episode where you just never know where in life you can be here. And then all of a sudden it's that switch that can change, you know, your whole life, your whole family dynamic. And now you find yourself in a situation coming from a two parent household, two incomes to now just trying to figure out, I can see how stressful that could be for you and how that could then be exuded upon your children. Because I think we see a lot, you know, just in some of my friends and family members, how they don't realize how what we do go through as adults affect our children. So I'm glad that you were able to see that. And that was a light switch um, that happened for you that helped better you, your child's life, and then for other women now that you're able to help. Yeah. And I think another thing I'll add to that is that when we hear, we know, you know, coming into adulthood, like we have these very critical and defining moments in our lives that are life-changing. And it's in these moments where you said it's like unexpected, unexpected traumatizing moments where some people really break down and give up on life. And, you know, we've experienced those times where we may have been in a valley and we've gotten stagnant. And, you know, for those of us who are lucky and blessed, we were able to snap out of it like you did, Tamika. So I would love to hear from you. Like, I heard the motivating factor, right? I heard what kind of set you back on fire, which is seeing your son and knowing that he's reflecting back the energy that you are putting out there in the household that you were in. But what kept you going? Like, what kept you positive? What kept you like striding along day by day? What was that for you? So basically, you're asking me what my why is. So what I teach women is that you got to have a why. I don't use the word motivation. Motivation is like having a New Year's resolution. Motivation doesn't exist because whenever you're trying to reach or get to a certain place, uh, you don't feel like doing it. You're not motivated to do it. So you have to have a reason that's going to push you to get you there. So definitely one of the things I teach women is it's not about being motivated. You don't have to be motivated to achieve any goal or success. What you need is that why. My why was my children. My why was the reason why I got out of bed in the morning. If they weren't here, I have no idea where I'd be. We wouldn't be talking right now. And that's just the truth. Because I would wake up every morning with a feeling of dread in my stomach. Like, why am I here? What's the purpose of my life? And because I was so dedicated to the fact, after that, I had that light bulb moment, I made a decision that I was going to show my children that no matter what happens in life, no matter what obstacles you face, you can still be successful. And sometimes people use these events that happen in our life that are unpredictable, and we use it as an excuse to either blame someone or someone else or an event for something that happened, you know, as a reason why we're not getting ahead in life. So, like, it's okay to have a pity party for a month or so or whatever time you need. There's no timeline for it, but at some point, you got to get out of that victim mentality and stop being angry or blaming somebody else. You know, my children... They're the reason why I continue to strive and continue to set so many goals for myself because I'm showing them that I don't care what hits me, I'm gonna make it and you're gonna watch me do it. And then that's kind of just like non verbally showing them that that's what life should be about. And to clarify or just to, to, I guess, 
put the nail in the coffin for me. My oldest son came home with a gift for me. They had to make these things in school. He came home with a keychain. It was on a keychain. It was like the Olympic stand. It was like third place, second place, and first place. Mommy was standing on the first place block with a trophy. And if you come to my house, I have a house full of trophies now that have all been attained while my husband was locked up. So at that moment, that's when I knew that I was accomplishing my goals. So I was just like, yes. (laughs) And seeing that complete energy shift in them, right? That had to be, yes. Yes. Um, And there's a quote that says, you know, you may not control your circumstances, but what you have control over is your reactions and your actions. Boom, Um, there you go. So that just reminded me of that. So thank you. Thank you. That's absolutely right. You know, I try to tell people you can't focus on what you can't control. I can't control my husband being locked up. I can't control if the prison goes on lockdown. I can't control if he doesn't call me for three, four days. But what I can control is my ability to change my mindset instead of saying, instead of worrying that something happened to him or he got hurt, I can say, they're probably on lockdown or they couldn't get to the phone. He's okay. And then continuing to do that and create habits. Habits could be your mental, your mindset, physical, spiritual, focusing on creating habits that are going to put you in a place where you continue to thrive and not be stuck in worry and fear. So what were those habits for you? Ooh, oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me think back. I'm trying to think at the very beginning, this sounds silly, but one of the very first things I did was I changed my radio station. So I was very much in tune with my environment. So my goal was to change my environment. So in the morning, I would listen to YouTube videos. You know, they say your top five people that are you surround yourself around or the, or the people that, you know, will kind of demonstrate the type of person you are for coming. So, you know, I would listen to like Les Brown, Mel Robbins, Tony Robbins, so many. Come other- on. <laughs> Same people on my top five. <laughs> right? So these were my best friends every single morning, every time I rode in my car. My whole environment was just engulfed with just like positive people. If you weren't on the Tamika train to getting better, don't talk to me. Don't call me. Right. So, oh, I cleaned up my house. My house was a hot mess. Ooh, Lord Jesus. Ooh. Mm, mm, mm. I have pictures. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. That's what I'm talking about. Tell <laughs> I'm real. Like, my house was a direct reflection of what was going on in my head. My house was chaos. My mind was chaos. When I cleaned my house up, yo, it was like a weight lifted off my shoulders. And these are the things I did. I started changing how I operated my household, those kind of habits. I changed my habits for my physical body. Like I, even though I'm a personal trainer as well, I hired a personal trainer and I got slack. I got kickback from that. Like people are like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, Usain Bolt got a coach. Why can't I? Because I realized that I couldn't do it on my own. I couldn't do it by myself. I have the knowledge, but I don't have the, I need help. So I started investing in myself. Like I've spent thousands of dollars hiring coaches in the last six years. That's where my money goes. And do I regret it? Did I have the money? You know, it didn't matter to me because my why was to show my children that I could do anything. And what I learned in the process is that you don't need to have the money. You don't need to have the resources. All you need is the belief that you can do it and the drive to want to do it and the universe will move for you so it'll happen. Because every single goal that I set for myself while my husband was gone, I achieved it and I blew it out the water. I mean, like every single thing I put my hands on just like took off because I changed my mindset. So when it comes to the woman that you are um, coaching and who the program is intended for, do you feel like that is part of the biggest challenge? 
of them kind of moving to that next phase in which you're trying to get them to is their mindset? Definitely. Oh my God. Yes. Because you're so focused on like my program could be for anyone. It could be for a woman going through divorce. It could be someone who's coming out of some type of trauma, but the whole premise is, but because I am a prison wife, it's the ride. That whole experience has come from that. My program comes from that experience, but you don't have to be a prison wife to go through my program because like we focus on mindset. We we focus on your perspective. One example, I, before my husband got locked up, we had the goal of putting our children in private school. Now we've just lost a significant amount of money coming into our house. Right. And I just started a new job making pennies. Instead of saying we can't afford it. I said, why wouldn't these private schools want my children? I'm in Baltimore City. I have two black sons. They have an incarcerated father. I'm a single mother. If they make it and they blow up and they become these huge people in the world, that's a public marketing like dream. Right. For my children. So with that mindset, I set out, didn't have, I don't have twenty, thirty thousand dollars to pay for each child. But what happened was, you know, I decided I'm gonna miss work here, pay this bill late. I was living below check to check, <laughs> but I was so determined to make this happen. I got denied for the same scholarship multiple times, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to continue the process and still continue to apply. And what happened was three weeks before school was supposed to start and I was planning on sending them back to Baltimore City, they called me and they were like, we want to offer you a full scholarship. I said, yeah, what? A full scholarship? You, you manifested that thing, didn't you? But that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like, my perspective was, was what really set the whole thing off. Because if mm-hmm. I, my perspective wasn't on point as in believing that I could do this, we would, I wouldn't be here. So every child that comes after my oldest son automatically gets into the school. Like I have changed the, my shit, like I've never been to a private school. I could, could tell you any private school in Jersey where I'm from. I don't know none. I don't know nothing about no private school. But, <laughs> but I was so determined that Baltimore City education was not it. In our family, for our circumstances, that this is what's going to happen. There's no plan B here. So, and that's just perspective. I want to touch on what you said about changing the mindset, because just like our title says, Black Woman Reborn, the Internal Revolution. Changing our mindset is, your mind is internal, that whole process of that. And I want to just point out some three things that I heard you say. Change the radio station. <laughs> Sometimes, like even with kids, like we don't look at it as like I'm an aunt, but I see children, my friends have kids, even with ourselves. We sometimes rep- replicate what we see on TV, we replicate what we hear on, you know, in music and stuff like that. Change the radio station. If you're feeling down, if you're constantly listening to stuff that has you in a negative space, change the radio station. Change the TV station. Sometimes you might need to change who you're listening to as well because you run into friends and stuff like that who sometimes, I won't always say that friends have the not the best intention, but sometimes they don't have the resources and tools to give you the information that you need. That's not who you may need to see. So a lot of times you'll hear tribe where we talk about seeking out professional help. But I think a good thing is where we start at, when we may not have the money or the insurance to go seek that, change the radio station. Clean your house. A part of cleaning your mind is cleaning your house. Mm -hmm. Making sure that you're in a clean and comfortable 
environment. I think that that was very important. And the third thing, investing in yourself. Because sometimes we will spend so much on the outside appearance. So whether that's hair, nails, you know, clothes, shoes, all that stuff, that we're not investing in our internal revolution that will help us change our mindset, change our financial situation. And that helped you, that helped your kids. And I think that that's so, um, so awesome. You know, I totally believe that sometimes you don't even know what's happening in your brain. Like you said about the radio station, you don't even realize what you're even listening to or what, how it's affecting you or how it's holding you back probably. Yeah, absolutely. So some of it could be just unconscious. Because I think too, to add on to what you're saying, a lot of people reflect on their childhood sometimes about how they were taught to as a child, how they weren't nurtured as a child, how, you know, all those. So if you can think back to what your mom, your dad, your auntie, uncle, whoever said to you that put you in a negative space and you're in your 20s and 30s, 40s and 50s, but you've listened to certain types of music your entire your life how that has affected sometimes your mindset and the people that you listen to as well. So I think that that's awesome. You also spoke about being a trainer. So health and fitness is a big part of your life. Was that one of your coping mechanisms as well with, you know, changing your mindset? I know you talked about hiring a personal trainer as well. What do you have to offer the tribe and women that you work with in coaching them with working out and taking care of them themselves physically in that manner? Well, to answer your first question, was it a coping mechanism? I think partly unconsciously and consciously, I probably made it a coping mechanism. How it started for me was that I, um, fitness has always been a part of my life, but I always viewed like the bodybuilders and like the bikini competitors as like the ultimate level of fitness. And I was like, I want to be that. So when I had my light bulb moment, I made a decision that I was going to just go and go after all my goals. And that was something I had been thinking about for probably four years. So I was like, "Eh, now's the time which is why I hired somebody to help me. And in a way, I would say it definitely did help me cope. One, it was helping me mentally because I do believe that you improving your physical health is improving your mental health. But also it gave me something to focus on. So instead of focusing on what my husband's doing or what's happening to him, I'm focusing on something personal that's going to better myself. So was it a coping mechanism? Yes. Did I plan it that way on purpose, per se? Maybe not 100%, but yeah. So in my program, and because I am a personal trainer, I recognize the importance of health, mental, spiritual, physical health, and and healing. It is definitely a part of my program. You can't get past me without me talking about it. (laughs) Like, that's just not going to happen. So in my program, the online course I run, we have modules that do focus on sleep, nutrition, exercise decluttering. I believe that's part of health as well. That's part of your mental health. So yeah, you're going to, yeah, we're going to be tackling you as a whole. So I do definitely believe in healing and moving forward from a holistic perspective. So it's not just mindset. It's not just about, you know, we dive into fear of failure and things like so many topics that I can talk about. So if, for instance, I'm coming to you and I'm saying, hey, I heard about your wonderful prison life program and your courses, I kind of walk us through the process for anybody who's listening, who 
is interested in being a part of your program or just supporting, you know, supporting in any way, kind of walk us through what the woman you are working with, how that process goes. Yeah, definitely. The course is for prison wives, but you don't have to be a prison wife. So even if you're not a prison wife, you're definitely welcome to be in the program, work with uh, women who aren't prison wives and prison wives. So if you're interested in getting into the course, the first step would be to reach out to me and I'll give my contact information. But to set up an appointment with me, because one, I am not going to enroll you into my program if I don't believe you're ready. Because one, you have to take action and we have to establish whether or not you are currently ready and if this program is right for you. This is not read a book or listen to lecture and be good. No, that's not how this works. So for the entire 12 weeks, you are going to be taking action. You will listen to a video or audio and there will be an action task that you have to do every single week. And I'm going to be following up because I want to see that you did it. <laughs> so you have to be ready to take action. Anything in life that has to be done, it's not just about dreams and thinking about it. You got to actually take action on it. So you set up an appointment with me and then we'll go from there. And then anyone who's interested, I'll follow up and just let you know how we can move forward. We do weekly coaching calls. We have a private Facebook group. You're going to be creating accountability partners and groups. So the whole goal is for you to be successful. And by the end of the program, you're going to be at a place where you're focusing on achieving your goals. You're going to learn how to establish habits to achieve your goal. And, you know, it's all about getting you to a place where you're happy. So we do talk about, you know, what makes, you know, so if it was you, Shara, what makes Shara happy? You know, and identifying what brings you joy. What's your future vision? And then every decision that you make should be leading you in that direction. That's the end result of the program. But at the very beginning, we're still working on getting awareness. Why are you so unhappy? Why do you feel stuck? Why are you unhappy with your life right now? We, we start there first before we do anything. So, you know, oftentimes when I do the first part with women, they cry <laughs> because it's very hard to bring up things from the past. You're like digging into things because you got to let them resurface. Because you got to deal with it. You got to stop running from it. You got to stop avoiding it in order to move forward. So, and that's where we start. And by the end, you know, we want to see you um, really spending your time and focus and energy on working on who you want to be. So, all of that is good. And what I love is we always try to build off a foundation, not starting in the middle because that just doesn't work. Going to start at A, go to Z build a house, build a foundation to make sure that it's solid. So I like that you said that. And then also the other thing is the action. A lot of people want to do, they want the, the change, but they don't want to do the work that it takes to change themselves, change their mindset. Before we close out, I want to ask you, what do you think is the biggest misconception about a prison wife or someone that stands by their wife, their husband, their partner, when they do go to prison? Well, I would say the biggest misconception about prison wives would probably be <laughs> probably a couple of them. I just get the impression that people think we're, we're dumb, we're fools, and you know we're making really bad decisions. We're criminals. We're uneducated. You know, I mean, I myself, I have a master's degree in biomechanics. I don't come from a family with criminal activity. And it's not like I planned to marry somebody with a criminal history. It's almost as if people, ex you know, like, you know, why would you do that? You know, what, you know, why would you put yourself in that situation? Well, I certainly did not plan for this to happen. That was never my intention. 
And it's almost like, you know, people don't understand that what you're going through until they're actually in a situation. Like when you love somebody or, you know, you have a family member, you're not just going to up and leave them because something bad happened. You know, your heart doesn't change. So I would say that for me, you know, I would get a lot of comments about you're too beautiful to be staying with him or you got too much going for you. Well, I mean, you know, we were already married. We have, you know, children together. So unless my husband was showing me something that would make me want to leave, like he wasn't trying to, you know, progress and be a better man, then sure. But like I said, we weren't living that, that way. So it was unexpected, but I would say, you know, people look at us as if, you know, how could you make that decision? And, you know, it's like, we never intended to do that. I mean, there are women out there who do seek men in prison, but majority of women aren't doing that. You know, they reconnected with maybe someone from high school. Like there's so many stories where they met somebody through a mutual person. Like once you get to hear the stories, you can better understand. And those stigmas will start to fall, I would say. Right. Now, so we talked about earlier what life is like before he went to prison or got incarcerated. Let's talk a little bit about what life is like now that you all are back with him recently being released. And then also any closing thoughts that you have for the tribe. Sure. Well, that's kind of a complicated complicated question for me. because. <laughs> hey, all right. So when he first came home, <clears throat> that was in August. You know, of course, it's like, yay, oh my God, you've been waiting for this day for years, right? <laughs> so, and I didn't really know what to expect, but of course, when he came home, I wanted to be all over him and stuff like that, you know, probably what you would expect. And, you know, I would, you know, you had asked me before about how, you know, he took the situation about him coming home. And I would say he was generally happy. He looked excited. But as the weeks went on, he just started kind of going downhill. and. Yeah, he was like, he was physically there, but he wasn't mentally there. You know, when he left, he was a, a great father and he was just kind of just like floating and just looked depressed some days and it looked like he was going through it. And he would say that he was working out his demons. He called them demons. And I wasn't, I, I started losing myself. No, okay. I shouldn't say that. I'm not even start losing myself. I started losing my spark. I was, I lot for, if you had followed me on social media, like I disappeared for like about three, four months mm-hmm. because I wasn't depressed. I know what depression feels like because I was used to be there when he left, but I just lost my glow. And it was because of what he was suffering through. And what women don't realize is that the journey doesn't stop when prison's over. And I'm going to be the first to tell you that because these men yeah. are coming home from trauma near-death experiences, being put in situations where they may have been on the attacking end or fighting for their life, you know, being locked down. You know, when he came home, he was in the cell pretty much 23 hours out the day for months. You know, like think about what happens to somebody in combat who has PTSD, but they're brought home and like, you know, people just services for them. You don't get the same sympathy coming home from prison, but these men experience the same thing. And I wasn't really prepared for all this because I felt like there was no intimacy. I felt like he didn't even want me. And and that was hard. And then it turned out that he had been sneaking, drinking when he told me his intention was not to do that. Because like I said, he has a problem with alcohol. So, and he ended up going to the hospital. He almost literally died. Like this was like, it was rough. Yeah. And you know, some other stuff came out. 
about what was happening while he was locked up that just just came out maybe three, four weeks ago. And we are kind of almost living together, but separated right now. Like we're in the same household, but we aren't, it don't look like a married couple right now. And that's the honest truth. And, you know, one day I was making, I had a suitcase packed for him ready to roll. I was so heartbroken and angry one day. And, you know, so is this easy? Is life perfect? No, not at all. You would think this would be a happy time, but I think what women don't realize is that you're going to be dealing with a lot of trauma. Like he just had his first appointment with a psychologist. I think I'm going to set one up for myself and for my children because this is something that, you know, really puts a burden on a family. So is it happy times right now? Yes, I can smile and laugh with him, but things aren't all peachy right now. Definitely not. Right. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. I just want to say that because I just, I I really feel that. And I think to be open about that, that it's not perfect, you know, I think that that in itself is going to help a lot of women who may be experiencing this to know what to expect, you know, and have realistic expectations for Mm -hmm. the journey after. And I also think that, you know, you personally experiencing this, it's only adding to the data and the knowledge that you need to help other women in your program. So I just, again, want to reiterate, thank you for sharing something so personal as in what it's like. You're welcome. But I mean, I guess it kind of gets to the point that my life is not perfect, but I can still smile. I can still be happy, right? I may have moments where I'm sad, but I know what it feels like. So in my eyes, decided that I was going to be a prison life coach. Who better on this planet to do it? Someone who's been through it. Someone who's in the struggle, but is still thriving and still, you know, I'm still doing me. Yeah. So I regret nothing that I've done. So who's ever out there needs help, hit me up. (laughs) So tell the child, where can they find you? The best way to find me is I'm very active on Instagram. Find me at Fit Prison Wife. I actually have another Instagram, which is solely focused for mothers. It's called clarifying underscore motherhood. You can reach me there. I'm also on Facebook. Tamika Means, and Tamika is T-A-M-E-K-A. You can also email me, empowermentcoach at tamikameans.com. But I think the easiest way, just hit me up on Instagram, Fit Prison Wife. Awesome. Do you have any closing thoughts for the tribe or anyone that may be going through what you're going through or, you know, are getting ready to embark on the same journey that you've already been on? Sure. I would say life is not over. Come on now. Feel that way. Life is not over. I don't care what you're going through. If you're a prison wife or if you just got divorced, whatever that issue is that you're dealing with, life is never over. There's always hope. There's always faith. You have to make a decision. You must make a decision to move forward. Life is all about decisions. And then life is not one catastrophic event. So we have this idea that something big has to happen in our lives in order for our lives to get better. For example, if you're a prison wife, we typically believe life won't be the same until he comes home, which is false. It's so false. That's a lie. We tell ourselves these lies. What really happens is small decisions that you make every single day, every hour, every moment, every decision, every small decision that you make is either pushing you further in the wrong direction or pushing you closer to where you want to be. So that decision that you're going to make, like it's no different than if you're trying to lose weight, that decision right there, should I eat that little, uh, Whatever something that you know you've already had one and you're going back for seconds. <laughs> Every decision that you make is going to take you in the direction that you're trying to get to or away from that. So it's about the small decisions. 
Making decisions and not letting life make the decision for you. Inaction is an action, right? Yeah. So I'll leave well, it. <laughs> Tamika, we want to thank you so much for visiting the tribe today, joining the tribe, being authentically yourself with us. Again, you can find Tamika at Fit Prison Wife on Instagram. DM her if you have any questions, you're looking for coaching. Thank you again from the tribe. We support you. You need us. Please reach out to us. And if we need you, because we never know where we're going to be mentally, emotionally, physically, or we may have to reach out to you. Thank you again for joining the tribe today. Thank you. I'm part of the tribe now. Yes. (laughs) Thank you, ladies. Thank you, tribe, for attending this tribe meeting. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button on whatever platform you are joining in from today. We upload every first and third Friday of every month on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook at The Black Woman Reborn. Until next time, see you at the next tribe meeting.